0: Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See capital1.com/bank for details. capital1 and a member
2: FDIC. Just Joe. Yes, Sammy. Okay,
1: I'm just you making are, sure. If you
2: wait three more seconds, you'll hear me say. <laughs>
1: <I laughs> Want to be prepared in the very
2: first line. Want to be prepared. Fucking Christ. <laughs> Keep that in.
1: I really prep for these <clears throat> a lot. So. Mm-mm.
2: This week on Happy, Sad, Confused, Joe Manganiello on superheroes and Smurfs. I'm Josh Horowitz. I'm neither a Smurf nor a superhero. Joining me as always is Sammy on the intro. Sammy?
1: I consider myself a super Smurf. Do you, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's the Smurf that's missing. There's, there's super Smurfette, Smurf. there's Hefty, but there's no super Smurf.
1: Oh my God. J.J. Abrams, let's do it. <laughs> let's make a super Smurf. J.J.,
2: you can pass on that one. Not a good <laughs> idea, even though she sounded <laughs> enthusiastic about it. Uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Uh, this week on the show, Mr. Joe Manganello as advertised, uh, we love. Joe around here. For so
1: many reasons. For
2: so many reasons. First, he is the next stage in human evolution. He's, yeah,
1: he's so- a physical specimen we admire
2: him just yeah. and his parents for producing such a specimen yeah uh, and he's a big old nerd a
1: big secret nerd not so secret not so I guess. secret if
2: you listen to this podcast I he out nerds you he out
1: nerds me which is remarkable
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes uh, Joe is awesome he is starring uh, in the new uh, Smurf movie Smurfs the Lost Village opening this Friday a very sweet film obviously for the whole family bring him along uh, and he plays hefty Smurf of course he does What is he, he plays Smurfette no He's hefty Smurf.
1: He's a very good actor, Josh. He, he could, could play any true. Smurf. That's
2: true. Demi Lovato, for the record, is Smurfette in this one. For the record. For the record. <laughs> I don't want the Smurf contingent coming yeah. after me.
1: <laughs> don't stop the presses. It was a joke.
2: Um, so Joe uh, has been very kind to us over the years. He's done a lot of uh, fun sketches with us. We talk about that. And he's also someone that, um, as uh, I just said, like he's, he's a big old nerd. He's into Dungeons & Dragons. He's into uh, comic books and into... Too, like The Hobbit and, and Tolkien stuff. And we talk about all that, all that and more in this conversation, this very wide-ranging conversation. Um, you know, he he infamously was up for Superman a few years back. He's been up for a number oh, of superheroes. Would have been roles. such
1: a good Superman. A good Superman. I would have loved that.
2: He's actually up for Spider-Man too. It's a little bit too big maybe for Spider-Man. I was going
1: to say, yeah, yeah, He's he doesn't have that like, oh, normal guy look yeah, exactly. that you need for Spider-Man. Uh,
2: yeah, he inevitably is going to play a superhero because he's kind of like a walking, uh, talking superhero right now. Uh, and it's very, actually, also a very uh, uh frank conversation and you know he brings up uh, a turning point in his life a number of years back when he gave up drinking and sort of got his life in order so uh, always appreciate Joe coming by and being um, fun and honest and and like I said just a, a kindred spirit on the, on, on the good old uh, nerd topics so he's always welcome here and I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast this week uh, other business to attend to well we should mention that we just got back uh, Sammy and I yeah. if you heard the intro last week we were taping our intros from Las Vegas
1: Josh had a big old margarita in his hand the
2: whole that's time we true. were recording that's not true it was two it was one in each hand
1: yeah that's oh, sorry, <laughs> you sorry, had, sorry you had to hold the
2: microphone for me yeah. <laughs> no uh, it was all business it, it
1: really was uh,
2: i was it was a lot of work but it was fun it and it was very fun we were at this thing called CinemaCon, which is this big old convention for the theater owners uh they come out and uh, the studios come out and they show like all their wares for the upcoming year like all their big summer movies and even fall movies and they tried out a ton of movie stars. Uh, We sat through a bunch of presentations. Mm -hmm. You and I, we we watched the new Pirates movie. Mm -hmm. We saw the the Fox presentation, which brought Sammy to tears. She's sitting next to me. She's bawling (laughs) like a child. I was
1: trying to put my hair in front of my eyes so he wouldn't see. Well, can I – the reason I cried was because Hugh Jackman came out out of nowhere and showed footage from *The Greatest Showman*, which was incredible.
2: It was like a Make-A-Wish Foundation it for really Sammy. Was, it was like, kind of amazing because we're sitting in these seats, this beautiful—it's called the Coliseum, beautiful theater—and we noticed at the outset that there are like balloons. Or Sammy notices mm-hmm. there are balloons up top that are waiting to be can't dropped. Can't get past me. So okay, so so Sammy notices that we're like, okay, something is up. And then like, as the presentation kept going, it kind of slowly dawned on me. I'm like thinking about their upcoming films, and I remember like whispering to you like i think Hugh might might come and you're like you, th- you think yeah. and then and then like as it went on and on and on i was like it's happening he's definitely coming
1: said <laughs> and then <laughs>
2: and sure enough
1: oh he comes out he gives like a Ten-minute-long speech full of anecdotes. And
2: by the way, so we were positioned, and you noticed uh, this—that there was a teleprompter we could read, which was fascinating to see, like what everyone was supposed to say. And Hugh diverged off the teleprompter like every other sentence. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, it's like your (laughs) uncle, like giving your speech, giving a speech at a wedding. Except they're wonderful,
2: coherent stories. I
1: mean, except it's—it was when it ended, I was devastated. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, yes, and The Greatest Showman, um, for those that don't know, and why would you? Because we're months away from it, except for Sammy. Sammy knows everything. I <laughs> could tell you about it. This is a big old musical uh, about P.T. Barnum that uh, Hugh Jackman has been developing for a number of years, and they finally shot it, and it's him and Zac Efron and Zendaya and uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who was just on the podcast, Michelle Williams, mm-hmm. and they showed exclusively the first trailer. It's not out there yet. I'm sure they're going to reveal it soon, but it looked great. it looked, oh, really it looked good.
1: so good. Yeah. And it was, it's, I was so excited. It's the
2: same guys that brought you the music for Dear Evan Hansen and Lala Land. so you know we're we're,
1: we're in, in good hands, hands. yes we're going to be okay <laughs> guys it's going to be okay just wait till yeah. the fall i can <laughs>
2: uh so yeah we saw a lot of cool stuff mm-hmm. and we saw we did a lot of fun interviews and you can check lost out lost
1: some money we all lost some money yeah we lost some money
2: some money. Did some, uh,
1: that's Vegas, though, right? Uh,
2: did some gambling. Did some gambling with Ansel Elgort. Yeah. You know how I roll. <laughs>
1: your, your bad luck charm, <laughs> Ansel Elgort.
2: I <laughs> did. We had a fun little run-in the last night with Ansel at the blackjack mm-hmm. table. It was fun mm-hmm. to catch up with him.
1: I also uh, saw Brent Brenton Thwaites. Oh, Brenton Thwaites. At the, it's a fun name to say. Yeah, Brenton Thwaites. Thwaites. <laughs> I still saw him at, doing some gambling.
2: Nice. The charming mm-hmm. young star of Pirates. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, a lot of our interviews are up on the MTV Facebook page if you go through the videos part of that. Or if you go to MTV's YouTube page, uh, you'll see a bunch of interviews with Charlize we, we chatted girl. with. I love the Charlize. Uh, Talked to Denis Villeneuve, the director of Blade Runner. What you else got, is up there? got uh,
1: accosted by Wahlberg again. Yeah, that we didn't put that
2: video up. We really should because it's just remarkable. I
1: would like everyone to know my favorite thing <sighs> yeah, please. from CinemaCon mm-hmm. was Uh, After a Wahlberg interview, uh, Josh and Wahlberg are very close, very like brothers. And he, in fact, at one point said,
2: uh, "I'm the younger younger brother. He never had."
1: Yeah, and you literally cringed. (laughs) And he's walking away, and off camera goes, "All right, love you, buddy. See ya." And Josh goes, "Thanks."
2: (laughs) Leave him wanting more. Oh my God! Don't reciprocate. He's gonna
1: hurt you. Well,
2: yes, he will. That's but that's part of the dynamic.
1: Mark, I love you. If Josh doesn't, no, doesn't I do. He doesn't want
2: that. He do, see, he doesn't want that.
1: All right, all he right. He wants
2: to be rejected. That's <laughs> the, that's I'm how it works. i learning a lot.
1: <laughs>
2: um, so yes, check out our Cinema Con, uh conversations. We had a, a blast there, but also, uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say we're happy to be back. Oh my
1: god, so happy.
2: Uh, a lot of fun stuff uh, along the way. Um, we're going to be covering the Fate of the Furious premiere soon, mm-hmm. so look for coverage from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my
1: first, my first. Fast and the Furious
2: movie. Wow, Sammy was reluctant to admit that, but yes, we're actually, after this introduction, we're going to go off and watch the movie, uh, and this is going to be Sammy's first <laughs> Fast and the Furious movie. All I Where know- been the last decade? All I
1: know is that one of uh, The Rock's dogs is named after his character, so <laughs> I feel like that's, I'm good.
2: Dwayne is not really the lead, I mean, kind of, I mean, he's not the lead.
1: Well, then I'm not going. Oh, my
2: God. Every minute on screen he's not on, you're like,
1: where's DJ? <laughs> oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I um, will be fascinated to hear Sammy's uh, review of the eighth.
1: Nothing like Just, jumping into a franchise yeah. on the eighth one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get a good handle on it.
2: Um, so, yes, we'll report back next week on our thoughts on uh, Fate of the Furious. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's get to the main event on this week's show.
1: Joe Mangello. No, don't, don't.
2: That's not it. And we talk about that. Guys, it's Joe Manganello. It's not that hard a name to pronounce.
1: Oh, it's nice. I mean
2: Manganiello is Mangiello. a fun name, but that's wrong. Oh,
1: he no, it's okay.
2: Joe Manganiello, mm-hmm. uh, pay him some respect, and <laughs> and enjoyed this conversation with one of my favorites. He's a he's a good guy, uh, and a great actor, and uh, and he gives good hefty Smurf this week in Smurfs: <laughs> The Lost Village. Check it out this Friday. And for now, enjoy this conversation with Joe Manganello. Don't put your name, Sammy. I see so what you're bad. gonna do. Don't do it. It's been, as I said, when we first saw each other a moment ago, it's been far too long, my friend.
3: It has been far too long. You were the author of some of the funniest sketches I've ever done. You
2: are my muse. <sighs>
3: <laughs> Heavy is the head. Um, yeah, Joe Manganello's guide to pronouncing... Fucked up celebrity names.
2: Yeah, I see you you uh you tweeted about it relatively recently as uh you still use it as a reference point because, for people.
3: God damn it, people still can't pronounce my goddamn last name. It's not Mangello, guys. How hard is it? Come on. No, no. Which they would learn if they watched <laughs> the video. So I'm actually you know what? I'm gonna put it back out again. Let's do it. Yeah. We we have to recirculate that every once in a while.
2: Yeah. Um, I will say, because I remember, I think the first time we met was on one of these sketches that we did. It was for, we did a little thing called Actors Anonymous. That's right. Remember that one? Yes. Um, And it was like a little self-help group uh, when you were in your True Blood years, and it was... um, actors that played vampires and, and here's what I remember and werewolves
3: also and werewolves yes, thank you sorry obviously,
2: werewolves obviously yeah. um, and what I remember is I hadn't met you and I remember like my first encounter with you was like I was looking for you and they were like oh Joe's out there like prepping like he's he's memorizing it he's like reading his lines he's like getting into it I was like okay he's al- already far surpassed the preparation on 90% <laughs> of the people that have done sketches of me in the past so I know I like this man
3: <laughs> oh yeah but it was great you I mean you're a great writer it was hilarious yes. it's in and i think with comedy you 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 want to be ready you don't want to you don't want to mess around with that so yeah. no i wasn't messing around i wasn't messing around
2: no you never on Actors do and anonymous you don't do half ass man yeah he goes all the way he's yeah. he's in full smurfs makeup right now as hefty guys with a little white hat on <laughs> and
3: white pants
2: but it suits somehow you make it work I a tail surgically implanted for this interview <laughs> you almost look more avatarish than smurfish right now to be honest me
3: yeah with my smurf costume on
2: yeah well cuz you're you're a larger man and
3: <laughs> I'm big boned. <laughs> God damn it!
2: Is that what they called you in school? Your parents That's, told you, you you're big boned. just
3: big boned. Yeah, no, I was like a scrawny toothpick. Were you up. really? Yeah.
2: Were you okay? Well, give me the stages of physical evolution. <laughs> Ultra- the Meganova. Jurassic
3: era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At six years old, at ten years old, at fifteen years old. Well, I was I was tall and skinny. Okay. I was skinny, you know, um, but I, but I, but, I, but I was super tall, like head and shoulders taller than all the other kids at the Easter egg hunts. And, um, uh, but you know, I, I was good at sports, but I was, I was, I was thin. I had giant Coke bottle glasses. My vision is awful. Um, big ears have stuck out. Now,
2: is this one of those things that like you say in retrospect, but if like I actually did my research and I found people around, you'd be like, oh no, he was a stud at 10 years old.
3: No, well, this is real. No. I, when I, when I released my book three years ago, though, like the first page of the book is like me then. Right. And it's a picture of me looking exactly <laughs> the way I just described myself, like to the T.
2: And I mean, and from our conversations in the past, like, it's like you're like, you've got the soul of Josh Horowitz in, like, He Man's body, basically. (laughs) Like a Jaeger? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, of course, he makes a Pacific Rim reference, like, to make Uh, it work. (laughs)
3: But But I think that was probably the idea as a kid. I grew up reading comic books. Yeah. And I read comic books, science fiction, every monster movie I could consume. And so when I opened the pages of those books, all of those superheroes, supervillains, they were jacked. I mean, it was the 80s, so everybody was was ripped. And I think—I won't even say subconsciously. I'm not even going to desecrate—you know, I'm not even going to put it down that way. Uh, I would say that consciously I think it was an effort that the first time I get to break out of this— I'm going for it. I'm never <laughs> going to look back. God damn it! And, and that's—I think—that's probably how bodybuilding became a really, yeah, uh, or or something I really I, that I. And mind you, I struggled at it for years. I just could not put on the kind of weight that I wanted to look like those characters. It just wasn't happening, and and uh, it, it it took it took a long time. Well, so when did you hit your stride in terms of like putting it together and kind of like? Um, somewhere. I mean, somewhere towards the end of. High school, I think I got I got contact lenses, or I was allowed to get contact lenses. Clark Kent turned into Superman. Ew. Well, like my glasses were like fish bowls. Right. Like my prescription is awful. It's like a negative eight in both eyes. Yeah, you're look,
2: staring the exact wrong direction right now. I'm I'm to you to your left, Joe. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm like that <laughs> that high school shop teacher who's right. like screaming at you, but his cross eyes looking the other direction. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, so the context came in so the context came in and I don't know I got a new haircut and <laughs> it's like what did Joe do over the summer guys yeah. all those bicep curls were started paying off nice yeah so, but there was a miraculous turnaround okay, so but, but the girls at my high school like still saw me
2: right they knew the before so they weren't ready yeah, to it was shallow the after
3: they still the opposite <laughs> they still saw me that way. But the girls at other—so I had to go to, like, the other schools, the other high schools. To To
2: reinvent yourself. Like, no, that
3: that old guy never existed. They had no idea. So (laughs) I got to to just start over.
2: So, okay, so we— we're we're virtually the same age. Uh, Seventy six is our birth year. Yeah. So we have the
3: bicentennial. Ca-
2: there you go. We we came in to celebrate. <laughs> so so give me some reference points. Okay. So let's let's talk movies. Let's talk TV. Let's talk comics. Let's talk cartoons. Okay. Let's get into it. Okay. Um, what was on your wall? What were the first obsessions? What's-
3: well, as a kid at eight years old, I, I like I taught myself to read. Like I would memorize when I was little. I would memorize the books that my mom read to me, uh, because. I think because I, if I remember correctly, I had like a little, you know, one of those little tiny records Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, on the little tiny record player, kid record player. And I had The Hobbit. Yep. And it was the one where, you know, when you hear ding ding, turn the page. (laughs) Right. So I had the one of The Hobbit and I thought, man, this is like a real book with, with no pictures. Like I'm going to have to train (laughs) to read this (laughs) as a young kid. Mom, I got to go into training. Yeah. Mom. No pictures here. (laughs) Just leave the food, <laughs> slip it under the door. Give me a week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and when I was eight years old I, I finally picked up the Hobbit and started reading the Hobbit. Um which was funny because there were, I remember a kid who couldn't read. Like at that age, yeah. it just was I don't know, he was behind. He would call me every night and I would You're telling him the story of the Hobbit telling him what ha- what I read <laughs> that day. It was interesting. There's a guy named Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, a little guy and a sword this sword called Sting. Um, and so, uh, so the, I think The Hobbit was probably that first yeah. kind of benchmark of this is like where this is like the height of monster fiction. Yeah. And then from there, it led me to Stephen King, like all things Stephen King, whether that was Cujo, Pet Cemetery, you know, what was it, Eyes of the Dragon, right, 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 um, Dark Tower, and then I got into comic books like heavily.
2: So wait, let's, let's stop for a second. What do you think mm. about the Dark Tower film that we're finally going to see? Are you are you anxious? This is his seminal work. This is like yes. they've been trying to develop this for years. I'm curious because it's also a complicated piece of work. And yeah, it's I, also, I confess. I haven't read it. I mean I know enough about it, but um, it, it seems weighty to like do in one. It clearly would be a series hopefully, et cetera, but.
3: Well, it's, it's one of those challenges I think uh, for adaptation in the way that like if you ever read the book Fight Club. Yeah. Fight Club reads like a schizophrenic wrote it. It's insane. Right. So then to take that, it's such a creative challenge to then figure out how to theatrically present that material. Sure. And I'm curious to see how they do that with Dark Tower because it is, it's all, it's very odd. Yeah. It's an odd, and it doesn't really explain anything to the explain itself. Perfect, to the audience. perfect for movie-going audiences in 2017. <laughs> but I think people need that now. Seriously. They really need. It all that. doesn't need to be explained. Enough guys. with the spoon-fed. Shit, you know,
2: I'm I'm hopeful. I I was more hopeful when it was going to be Kari Fukunaga was going to do it. Did you hear about that? He was going to direct it. Um, I forget the director they have now. I think it's the guy that did Mama, which which I think was a decent movie as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But I like that they're splitting it. The first film is just them as kids Mm -hmm. and then hopefully they're going to return to it in The second half, we'll see.
3: Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that t- um, but do you remember that that
2: miniseries? Well, that hit us like that hit me. I'm again, we're virtually the same age. I remember yeah. Tim Curry like vividly
3: haunting my dreams. Oh, like it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, it, that 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 TV miniseries was was phenomenal. I mean, like, fantastic. Yeah. Maybe the best Stephen King up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, Other than sh- I was gonna- maybe you could say Shawshank.
2: Shawshank. What? Where do you come down on Shining? I know Stephen hates it, but I and I, I know it's not faithful to the book. But I, I mean, come on. No,
3: but it's it's an amazing work. I mean, Kubrick's pretty good. Yes, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> he's okay. Okay. So then, comics came around when comics. Were you DC, Marvel? What were you? I was pretty much Mar- Marvel and independent, almost like Dark Horse and like that kind of stuff. Uh, like... independent, like like old, original, black and white. Ninja Turtles. Okay, right. Like original Eastman and Laird, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. the first eleven. I I caught there were this group of kids in Maine that I knew growing up on this island in Maine, and um, and I'd heard rumblings about these Ninja Turtles, and they had the comics.
2: <laughs> Just a word on the street about the Ninja Turtles. Yeah,
3: like in the comic community, in the nerd community, <laughs> I had heard rumblings, and they had them, and I thought I looked at them and went, man, this is like this is the real deal this yeah. is the coolest thing i've ever seen and, and which was really neat because it was a it was such a um, a metaphor for um, teenage being teenage and yeah. it was they were the x men in a way totally um they were and it, but it was also very japanese in a in in, mm-hmm. in in another way in that you have these abominations who have no place in life right. or in the world, but they were trained from birth by this master, this rat to get revenge for him. And in the first issue of the comic book, they get revenge Their So their entire life's mission, their life's goal, their purpose in life is over. Now what? Now what? And that's the story. Yeah. And that's what was so interesting was that it was these, these these creatures that didn't belong in our world, trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their lives, and that to me was was fascinating. So
2: when the homogenized cartoon came on, were you like, "Come on, guys, this is stupid"?
3: I was angry. <laughs> I was because it betrayed what right. I loved, or the I guess the that 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 the humanity yeah. that I was interested in exploring, and. Um, you know but i was i'm happy that those guys made money because i think that for any independent comic maker to then blow up their franchise that way like totally. as an adult i'm like you you go yeah. like i'm so happy for you guys but i miss those stories yeah i miss that exploration i thought that was like a fascinating uh, uh, you know, uh, um,
2: It's like an amalgamation of different things, as you say, and kind of yeah. like so audacious and kind of like that. The title alone was like a deal breaker for so many – for any yeah. adult. It was like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not going to yeah. even look at that. But right. if you actually cracked it open.
3: Brilliant. Right. Yeah, those, are, those early issues were brilliant. So I was into those. Um, I was also into this comic book called Martial Law.
2: I remember that one.
3: Um, it was uh, Pat Mills, this uh, Brit – wrote this comic um and there was a particular series called fear and loathing that i thought was uh really really brilliant uh i was into the frank miller wolverine yeah Uh, i had a frank miller wolverine poster on my wall nice um i was into what else was i into as a kid um x-men 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 i was like huge like everything x-men (laughs) x-force new mutants all of
2: it we, it's, it's so it, it boggles my mind I've talked about this with other people I, mean, I don't know if you like you read like Wizard Magazine when we were kids and they mm-hmm. did like the fan casting mm-hmm. like I remember it was like the dream casting and Patrick Stewart was on that list like who would be like of course yeah. he was the guy and like we've just like so like gone beyond our wildest dreams of like what all that was going to turn into where like sure. I mean sure there's a lot of shit out there and there are a lot of shitty adaptations but there's like the, the quality of filmmakers that are attracted to this material based sure. on both passion and just the marketplace
3: James Mangold is amazing. I got to meet James Mangold. I was uh, actually awesome. I screen tested for him repeatedly. We had like several screen tests for this project that never got up on its feet. But I got to meet him and, and hang out with him. And he's a really, really deep guy. Super smart. Really guy. smart storyteller. And yeah, you talk about like how far that universe has expanded. I mean, we we had a really really great version of Caliban, right? You know, like, <laughs> we also had a semi
2: not great version like a year before of Caliban, <laughs> so we had two in a year.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's 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 amazing. I mean, we have the technology now to make do these films right, but what's what I what I love about it is that every once in a while we get one that has a great story. Yeah.
2: Well, Mangold—he's the real deal. I mean, I uh, Copland blew my mind when I first saw that one. The uh, Johnny
3: Cash movie. Yeah,
2: uh, three, ten you. I mean, he's yeah. a real filmmaker, yeah. and I, I love what you know what he said. I've interviewed him about Logan, which I loved, and like just, he, you know, he's right. We've kind of reached a tipping point where like you know you can only save the world so many times, and that's fun. I like the Avengers movie as much as right. the next guy, but like now comes kind of the fun part. I think where like filmmakers. Um, have the opportunity and, and we now know that the audience is willing to go there thanks to things like Deadpool and Logan. Yes. Um, so I think right. I, I th- actually think as opposed to maybe like this trend ending we might be entering actually even another in- interesting iteration of the comic book.
3: Yeah well there's um, something well which is also a re- well it's kind of a return to the whole point of comic books and, and mythology. It's a modern telling of mythology. The The Greek gods were very human for a reason, because right. they were used to talk about human topics yeah. without having to get really down and dirty. Right. You know, and and I think we can go further about talking about topics, which is one of the things what I, that I love so much about the first few seasons of True Blood. Yeah. We were talking about weighty subjects. It gave you license to go real We're going to talk about marriage equality. Yeah. Ha ha ha. We're going to talk about... Racism in the South, yeah, ha, ha ha, but it's vampires and werewolves, so it's a little more palatable, I think, in a way, yeah, um, and uh, and that's what I think superheroes should be. Um, but all too often, I think that there's a such an onus put on the spectacle of it because we need to get butts and seats, yeah, and we need to give people something they've never seen before. But I really do think that if you present a great story, people people will go and it's not to say that Logan didn't have spectacle sure it's just you know Logan is like a white stripe song that you can hear Jack White's fingernails hit the guitar strings it was dirty it was stripped down and I think that there's a real need for that now
2: there's more happy sad confused coming up after this break
0: Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and member FDIC.
2: Do you have an all-time favorite? Again, it could be Going Back to Childhood for a superhero film that you love the most. Oh, boy. Um,
3: Gosh. I mean, I I love those Tim Burton Batman movies.
2: Um, I I skipped school for uh, June 23rd, 1989. I went to Batman. Oh, yeah! I
3: was. I, <laughs> I love those, but uh, and and I love the Crow, um, and uh, but I think probably I think the Dark Knight has to. Yeah. It's it's it really is the pinnacle of spectacle with substance. Yeah. talking about a topic and just phenomenal acting, directing, and it's it's, it's that movie is mind blowing. Did uh, I don't know if you've seen
2: this uh, social media trend lately. Uh, it's kind of a fun just exercise for film nerds like ourselves like uh, to name
3: your favorite movie of every year you've been alive. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, oh, been, it's
2: been trending like the last, last year, uh, last
3: week but or two. But it's like that means I'd have to choose between Back to the Future and Teen Wolf. Uh, yeah. How uh, could I do that? Which I
2: saw on the same day. I <sighs> came back from summer camp, I saw that double feature. I mean, come on, that was a time to be alive. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> I love it.
2: Of a Michael J. Fox, Summer.
3: Man, <laughs> both of those movies. <laughs> Just perfect, perfect, perfect movies.
2: You know what the third movie I saw that day? Real Genius was also that song. Perfect
3: movie. Come on. I love Real Genius. I'm
2: obsessed with Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is one of like... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Me too. I, I I mean, he was... When when his first string... Like his string probably up and through the doors and then Tombstone. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so um,
2: what were... Okay, so we we're t- starting to talk about films. So films yeah. when you were... When you were growing up, what were the first film obsessions, actors, films, posters on your wall?
3: Oh, boy. Um, well, as a kid, it was Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, that was it. And it was – I loved the Empire. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was all about Darth Vader. Uh, uh, so – The
2: cool guys dress in
3: black always. Yeah. it just <laughs> the power, the command. And 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 you've got to give credit to David Prowse. Mm-hmm. Because several other people have put that suit on, you're totally right, and it doesn't look right. It really doesn't. It doesn't. It, they don't walk. I, there's not enough weight. There's not enough gravity. There's not enough earth to the way that they move.
2: Yeah, I loved Rogue One, but it felt mm-hmm. off when he walked on the screen. I'm like, yeah, and totally. No,
3: I'm sorry. I don't. You know, I'm sure I'm. I'm gonna get a hate letter. No, but Somebody's, it's, you know, someone has to speak truth to power. But there is people don't understand that movement is a huge part of acting. Yeah theater and drama school there was a huge you know importance put on movement and you have I mean Chewbacca moves right
2: yeah yeah yeah
3: Yeah, but 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 Vader Vader doesn't and so if anyone's listening out there (laughs) I will you're ready do you want to yeah you can use James Earl Jones's voice (laughs) I don't care like fine just put me in the suit like I'll I'll do it right Okay. But I'm not seven foot one, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm gonna need an apple box. Might have I one more growth spurt in you. It's the only time I'll ever stand on an apple box. <laughs> no, but I, uh, so so I just think that David Prowse's movement performance. Yeah. I mean, you know, I went back recently and put it on mute. The original sure. New Hope and and Empire, it was like a marathon, and I I, I would put it on mute and on the on the Vader scenes and just watch the way that he walked and moved and crossed his arms, and it's just it's perfect, it's amazing, it's perfection, it's amazing. He's so good in that so, suit.
2: So it must have blown your mind when you so you 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 know you start to get involved in the business, and was literally the first film Spider Man.
3: Yes, that's crazy. The first professional film, yeah.
2: So, I mean, not just Spider Man, Sam Raimi doing yep. Spider Man, and I'm guessing you were a Sam Raimi fan. Sure, Evil Dead, <laughs> Dark yeah. Man, all of it. Dark Man, hey, come yeah, on. all of it. So, did you go up for
3: Flash? Did you? Did I read that you also went up for Peter? Well, yeah, I got brought in for Peter Parker, and I'm 6'5", So, <laughs> no matter how much weight I'm going to lose right. for this, you know, this role, like I, I'm not, I'm not going to fit. I'm not right for this character, and. But I came in and I prepared and I did my Peter Parker audition for Francine Mazler. And she said, you know, that was great, but you're really not right for this part. And I said, I know. And she said, but there is this other character that you're right for. And I said, oh, Flash. And she <laughs> said, yeah. And I said, oh, OK, great. Yeah, I, uh, I took a look at those sides. And, uh, and she goes, OK, do you want to read it with me? And she went to go get me the sides. I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm already off book. I got it. She's like, okay And I had See, uh, Actors
2: Anonymous all over again Always prepared Always prepared
3: And I had another (laughs) shirt on underneath uh, Because I wore like a button down and glasses for Peter And then I took the shirt off and the glasses off And I had like a, you know, t-shirt or whatever Tank top or something And I read the flash part and she said, okay um, I want you to meet Sam Raimi I said, okay And uh, she got me this job a couple of days later Screen testing all of the Spider-Man candidates And... Uh, I played Flash in a scene where I had to bully actor after actor after actor, and um, the first one was James Franco. He had, like, the day off or the morning off from James Dean. He was filming James Dean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he and I screen tested together. Scott Speedman and I screen tested together. And then there was another guy who I don't recognize and haven't really seen around yeah. since. But there were three of them. That, that no, no tested. Heath Ledger
2: was he also in the mix at that point? I don't it?
3: know, but he wasn't there that okay. day. So those are the three finalists of that day. And then I think Toby self taped. Got it. And somehow got himself in and screen tested separately. Who
2: was your favorite of the three
3: that you saw? Um, you were casting. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, you know, there was—you could tell that there was something about James Franco. Yeah. Immediately, yeah. Um, he was very much in James Dean mode, mm-hmm. though. So, I mean, he had the hair and right. everything. So it was a bit, you know, that's this is this guy's a little too too cool for school, to too be. cool for Peter. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he wound up Harry. Obviously, the the producers and Sam were impressed. Felt the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he and I both initially read for Peter and wound up the other two guys.
2: Crazy movie. So okay so what do you just give me a sense of like being on, on that first major film set um in this you know world that you probably never imagined you get to this quickly um being directed by Raimi. Mm-hmm. did it live up to what you, what the hype was and and give me a sense of sort of coming out of it what were your what were your hopes coming
3: out of it well uh it was it was massive that was at the time the biggest movie ever attempted it was it was massive yeah. and I I remember in, in my screen does Sam Raimi looking at my resume then looking up at me then looking back down at my resume then looking back up at me and saying but you have done theater right <laughs> because I had this is I'm fresh out of drama school yeah. and I have no credits that you know mean anything to sure. anybody other than these 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 theater credits and he was trying to <laughs> Search for something in my eyes that could that that, that would make him trust you know <laughs> in casting me, and he did, and um, you know, and I just went in there and, and and did my best and worked as hard as I could, and and but there was one point during the fight scene where um, it was the one where I'm fighting Peter after he after I got food dumped on me in the cafeteria and we're out in the hallway fighting, and he switched over to 20 frames per second. I heard that one yeah, whatever. That's for the camera guys. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. So we did one take during. You know, I'm fighting and kind of dancing around and boxing or whatever. And Sam goes cut, and he comes walking over to me. And he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, "Son, do you want to continue working in motion pictures?" <laughs> I just went, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Come with me. Let's go look at the monitors." I went, All right. And he showed me the monitors and said, "When I switch frame rate, what that means is that." The film is moving quicker, which means that you have to slow your movements right. down because you're because you're jumping around, you're disappearing and reappearing. So just smooth it out, slow it down. I went, okay. I like that. <laughs> so, you know, I really didn't know anything about the technical aspects of, of filming. I just, you know, I knew how to act and was trying to apply that but it was a real it was a crash course because i'm sure it was, i mean i'm there with john dykstra who did all the effects yep. for star wars right built he was telling me stories about building the ping pong tables that became the death star <laughs> and how he he likes puppet java better than cgi java we had that <laughs> conversation i'm like i don't want to offend you but like what do you think and uh, and, and I'm there with those guys working on a green screen, and it was just man, Insane. it was amazing. So okay, yeah. was it
2: before or after that one thing? I've no- noticed that we've never talked about. Did, is it true that you worked for Tyrese for a bit as his
3: oh yeah, body I was, man? Um, what were you? Yeah, I well okay. So so I met Sam, screen tested, but the movie wasn't going to start shooting for a while, and I had to go make money. So I was screen testing for all these things at the time, like screen testing for Spider Man, then like. I got brought in to screen test for Antoine Fuqua for Training Day. Mm-hmm. I screen tested for Gregory Hoblet for this movie called Heart's War, that at yep. the time was Harrison Ford, Edward Norton, right. and then I had screen tested twice for the third lead, and then those oh. actors dropped out, and it all got reshuffled, oh. and I fell out of the mix, <laughs> which killed me, because yeah. that was my dream. Han Solo and I'm the dude from Fight Club. <laughs> <you know? laughs> no! Hollywood. Um, yeah, and um, and then I screen tested for Black Hawk Down, uh, and I was actually in the middle of of like that process when when uh, Spider Man came Got back it. around, but that was months later. So, in the meantime, I had to go make a living, you know, pay my rent, uh, doing what I had always done or through college, which was bounce. So I was I was a, I was a club bouncer. And so I got a job working for the security company, and probably I think my first job with them was uh, bodyguarding this like singer guy, R&B <laughs> singer. I don't know who he was uh, up in San Francisco, and it was it was Tyrese.
2: He's a madman. He's kind of a unique uh, individual. He's a very unique individual. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> I
3: feel like this could be your next
2: book. Is just whatever time you spend around
3: Tyrese. It's definitely a chapter. Right? <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I was up there bodyguarding for him. And that was uh, that was like my first job in Hollywood. Amazing. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, in the wake of Spider-Man and like between True Blood, how would you characterize those years? I mean, it, you know, it sounds like you're screen testing for like, you know, A-list material, decent-sized mm-hmm. parts. For whatever reason, they're not happening. Yeah. um you're doing some tv work in, in the interim I, are you making yeah. a living like is this a
3: time of frustration excitement or what so i shot spider-man uh, about six months later six months after I, I first met sam raimi and screen tested i then shot we shot spider-man and that took about six months total to film it was right. just like here and there you know these yeah. dates all over the course of six months um and then i shot this pilot with tiffany amber Thiessen. And then I didn't work again for three or four years. Oh my god! Four years, which was there's a reason why. I um, I was always a huge drinker, big time, like yeah. big. I was I like I wanted to be Gary Oldman, which is funny because it's Gary Oldman's birthday today. Is it really? Yeah, I mean the
2: crazy, maybe the finest
3: living actor. We'll put next next to Val Kilmer. We'll put him up. There. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean for, for I sure. Garrett, when yeah. I was in drama school, that was the guy. I want to be that guy. Um, and he was notorious. He like he yeah. went he 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 went hard. He
2: was in his day.
3: Yeah, and there's an idea that you know uh, I think young as a young actor, I I think I went looking for trouble because I thought that meant that was going to lead to some form of depth right. and. You know, my, you life, and... my life is chaos, then, <laughs> right. you know, my work will be chaos. And therefore, you know, and um, what I found was, no, like, my life is chaos <laughs> and I can't keep it together. And I needed to stop drinking. Yeah. And I'm not a person who's – I personally am not a person who's supposed to be drinking ever. <laughs> and that needed to go. And what happened out of that was that I was never showing up to work drunk. I was never showing up, you know, n- not none of that. I I had so much respect for the work. It's just that, you know, my personal life had become such a mess that I wasn't able to prepare and I wasn't able to show up at 100% the way that I always had and wanted to. I wasn't at my best. And um, I needed to go take care of that. And I also didn't know if I wanted to be an actor anymore. There was an idea inside of me that maybe I did this for egotistical reasons, not but right, you know, yeah. real, re- and and so um, I wound up at the end of like this three or four year period where I didn't I didn't work as an actor. I, I wound up on the back of a construction truck working uh, for a masonry company, doing deliveries and demolitions, which is like, you know, jackhammering and shoveling sand and gravel from seven to four wow. every day with a bunch of guys who don't speak English. Is this still in L.A.? This was in L.A. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was in this like, I mean. One of my favorite books in college was like the was the the, the Fountainhead. So mm-hmm. in that the uh, you know, lead character once and go goes off and works in a rock quarry when things don't go right. And so there was something in my mind of like this is me at the rock quarry. I'm just <laughs> I'm just working it out uh, until I figure out where to go next. And off of that truck I wound up. Um, somebody called me up and they wanted me for this pilot, and that happened. And I then got off that truck because I figured, okay, well, it, like the, it became so loud, the voice to come back to acting that, uh, it was too, it was too loud to ignore anymore. And so I, I just started walking back into acting.
2: And, and how did you sort out the kind of the, the rationale that you were forwarding with that it, it might've been for egotistical reasons, which, I mean, again, a, a percentage of that is fine. We're, we're all doing yeah. various things for egotistical reasons. Sure. I mean...
3: Yeah, and, and I think that I think coming to grips with the fact that yes, that that is somewhat the truth. I think what I what I learned um, was that I was hoping that if I achieved some level of success or acquired some trappings, that that would somehow make me feel better yes. in a way that I had never been able to feel. And when I found that it didn't fix me in that way or the fix was very temporary i think that's what i had to come to grips with yeah and i you know had to had to realize that there's always a next thing there's always something else and that's okay and it's never going to fix the way i feel but it's going to be this exploration of how i feel
2: you're listening to happy sad confused we'll be right back after this And and how do you? Because I mean, that's the constant dilemma for for you and your industry. I would think to this day, you're surrounded by people that are so result oriented, what's next oriented, like you know, getting the next big thing. And and you know, you're ambitious. Clearly, Um, I feel you know, I I have very similar feelings of wanting to push myself in different areas. But you're you're right. Like you can't. There's so much out of your control. Mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of like judge yourself on that stuff. But at the same time, it's easier said than done. So how do you kind of quiet the the guy in your brain that's going to make you miserable.
3: <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I I tell young actors I'm like, man, if you're going to enter this business, like it's it's going to break you down and it's going to make you crazy and you either need to do a ton of drugs or no drugs at all <laughs> like to to deal with it. I recommend the ladder. I recommend the <laughs> latter. Um, and that was really I think and and furthermore, I think um I really came to grips with the fact that, that this job that I do is a spiritual job. Like said, it's re- it's very spiritual. It's it's I feel a certain way, and I'm going to make an audience feel that way, whether that's laughter or crying or some sort of you know remorse or regret or catharsis, whatever it is. And in order to do that, I really need to be aware. I need to be on top of my game. Right. And uh, and so uh, the pursuit of things in my personal life that would sort of bolster that or strengthen that, i.e., you know, meditation and all that kind of hippie shit I, I got into. <laughs> hey, spent enough
2: time in LA. It's inevitable.
3: Yeah. Well, they used to make us do guided meditation and, and, and uh, yoga every morning oh, really? at uh, drama school. Huh. So they were very much of... The, and they there was a teacher, in fact, that I really, really... It um, was probably my favorite acting teacher there who taught acting through the chakras and breathing techniques and opening up these portals of energy and things like that. Does Arnold
2: Schwarzenegger do the same thing? Is he into the portals of energy?
3: No. What is <laughs> well, this, this uh, fucking uh, chakra thing? This is bullshit. Uh, you don't uh, you just get up there and you grab your, your machine gun and you point it in the right direction and uh, you pull the trigger. I mean, what the fuck? It's pretty damn yeah. good. Thanks. <laughs> no, actually, he does TM. He does Transcendental does he Meditation. Really? Yeah, long time guy.
2: How, okay, so how much does it blow your mind that you're friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like le- legit friends. You can call him up. I'm I'm you know
3: it's insane. It's insane. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean he just put out that that video today about oh, I didn't see Well he put out a video because the after school spend the after school programs are now being cut. Yeah. Which his charity of choice is the after school all-stars, right. which I've actually done some some work with. And uh so he's uh Yeah, he's on a warpath right now. I'm sure. But I see those videos and I think, man, you know that—that's my friend. Yay! Like, (laughs) yeah, good good friend to have. That's my buddy. (laughs) So,
2: in the court, I know we 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 talked. We met during the True Blood years, and and the Superman story's been told to death. But I'm Mm. curious, like, was there an angry phone call when you found out? that you, True Blood, for whatever reason, and it's not whatever reason, like it was legit- legitimately, they couldn't let you out, they needed you, but mm-hmm. they said, sorry, we can't even let you test for this, we can't even let you ha- meet
3: with Zach. Was that well, I a- met with Zach. You did meet with Zach. I had an hour and a half long meeting with Zach, which is what was causing all the trouble. I, I... You I, the gun. I, you, you I went, went right ahead yeah. and met with casting, and then they brought me over to Zach, I met with all the producers, I met with John Jaschny and Thomas Tullet, legendary. Like, oh, so you I, had I some met, real stuff going. You no, just... I, I met everybody. Yeah. everybody involved, and then sat, and then finally sat down with Zach for an hour and a half and had a big conversation about the character and where it was going, and et cetera. And then they called the True Blood costume shop for my measurements to and build to what... build my suit, and that's what caused. <laughs> no. The, that's that's when it stopped. That was put to a, to an end.
2: And how how was. Is... How was Joe then? When he, when you learned that, did you like have some talk with Alan and HBO and everybody and try and? I
3: mean, my to be, to be my agent Kevin Uvain said, I'm not sure if I can get this done or if I can work this out. But if I can't do it, no one can. Sure, which is true. <laughs> <Sure. You got laughs> so he right went. He went place. to work uh, at to Time Warner, who owns. Warner Brothers Studios and HBO. They're the umbrella over the top of them. So we thought, well, okay. At least we've got that in our favor. Yeah. Yeah. And there was just nothing that could be done. And at that point, you lay in bed for a week and stare at the ceiling. And and you then have to get into a place of gratitude for this job, my day job, which did the show, which was the reason why I was noticed in the first place. Zach and his wife watched True Blood. And I guess when I walked out, he said— that guy be a great Superman. This was, you know, years, you know, a year or two year before I wound up in his office. So you have to be grateful for that. It was also, uh, you know, the first steady paycheck I'd had in a long time. It was a great job. It was the hottest show in the world at that time. So, um, you have to put it in perspective. Yeah. You put it in perspective and you get back in there like, you know, good soldier and you go back to work and you don't let it affect you. Did, did you Which go, is tough sometimes.
2: Did you take a little time before seeing Man of Steel? Was it tough for you eventually to see it?
3: You know, I wouldn't see it. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I was really, I I'm, it, I'm, yeah. the, you know, I'm a, I'm a sensitive guy, <laughs> and I was kind of rocked by the whole thing. And I had bicep surgery after Magic Mike 2, and uh, I was up in the middle of the night because, uh, I, you know, with the pain, and I was on Painkillers, and it was on. And I, so I watched it then. <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, I think I'm ready. <laughs> all right, let's go. <laughs> um, so, okay,
2: we, we should talk about and give some, some um, uh, love to Smurfs, which I saw. It's actually a very sweet, adorable It's movie. so cute, it's right? It's really cute. Yeah, and, kids and, will love it. And the kids are, will love it. I know what you've got to so, a niece or nephew that, yep. um, that I'm sure will appreciate it. I've got some nieces and nephews I know will be uh, uh, very much enjoying this. And it's fun to see Smurfs. Like, again, we grew up with we this. We grew up with them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and they're but they made a couple of movies that weren't – they were like gremlins. Right. Right? Right. And, and and this is a return to the cute little yeah. Smurfs that we grew up with.
2: So um, – and I saw, you know, you're uh, – you've, you've appeared in public with full-size Smurfs like, yes. at a children's hospital. At the children's yeah. hospital, do they care more about the Smurf or you?
3: Smurf, definitely.
2: Yeah, no offense to you, Joe, but come on.
3: No, the, well, every once in a while I get, hey, you're Pee Wee's best friend. Go, yeah, yeah. Where's Pee Wee? Not that we don't, we're not happy to see you, but is Pee Wee coming? And I'm like, no, Pee Wee's not coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is progress. Yeah. Because I used to go to, I've been working, I'm on the board of trustees at Children's Hospital right. Pittsburgh. And for years I've gone to that hospital, and the kids are like, who are you? And I'm like, uh, I play a werewolf on a TV show. You're not in Twilight. And then mom would interject and say, no, he's on mommy's werewolf show. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> a long conversation after you leave. Yeah. <laughs> so is this,
2: this has to be a no-brainer, I would think, when this comes around. It's, it's relatively easy work. You get to be a part of something that you grew up with. Yeah. These guys obviously know what they're doing. Yeah. It's a win
3: all around. And it adds to the action figure collection. Yes. Most importantly, Just which is why you got into it. Speaking about ego, that's why yeah. we're all in it.
2: Yeah, we need to see your home uh, with your your giant, the giant busts of, of Joe's head in different guises. Yeah, my <laughs>
3: wife is thrilled at all the memorabilia I drag home from, is, from shoots. Is there a giant hefty? I mean, how big can a hefty toy be? Jeez. Well, I mean, there's a person inside that hefty suit. So, I mean, theoretically, I could get... <laughs> Right. I have to see it. For a special occasion back home. Nah, but Smurfs are tiny. So, I mean, even when they say three apples high. Right. It's like, that's, that's, not that's that much. a little creepy. Yeah. But in the movie, did you notice the. I don't know if it's an homage or the I guess the acknowledgement of that or the Easter egg for the old Smurfs fans of Three Apples High I don't know if I did when Papa pulls the sheets back and there's yes
2: that's a great that's I legitimately laughed Three Uh, Apples not not because of the inside joke but now a a whole other level works
3: Three Apples High (laughs) there's Three Apples
2: perfection (laughs) Um, I should also mention I'm excited this seemed inevitable that you were going to work with another one of my favorite human beings uh, Mr. Joanne Johnson
3: yes the people's champion
2: I mean that guy can do no wrong uh, yeah. This was destined to happen, uh, and Rampage of all things.
3: Once again, another Com- video game I grew up with. Insane. Yeah.
2: So what? Uh, and uh, we know. I think Malin's, Malin's, uh, Ackerman's also going to be involved. with Is here. she? Not, is
3: she in now? Uh, that's the yeah. word on the street, okay. according to me.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, w- <laughs> I don't know. I'm just <laughs> reporting things. What? Uh, so who do you play? Can you say much about what, where you fit into
3: this? Well, um, the, I, I hunt monsters my okay so yes. let me i'll just tease this this okay. is i could probably say this um, my section or my at least my character's story is and i had to talk with the director Brad Peyton about this it's going to be modeled after predator dutch and predator sold run run with that <laughs> Yeah, so anyone who was a fan of Predator, another great Arnold movie. Yes. I mean, maybe the greatest Arnold quotes collection. Yes, per, yes. If, if it bleeds, in, we can kill it. Get to the chopper. Stick around. <laughs> you set us up. You drop us in the middle of a meat grinder. That will happen happened to you? Used to be someone I could trust. I woke up, Dutch. Why don't you? <laughs> all else you fails. You son of a bitch. Your one-man Arnold show. It's a matter. CIA, got you pushing too many pencils? All right, all right. What's with this fucking Thai business? <laughs> I have nowhere to go. Keep going. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, ba- <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite Arnold movie of all time? Their shit makes Cambodia look like Kansas.
2: <laughs> is that Jesse? Who is that? Jesse the yeah. body, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, with all these like amazing franchises of our youth, like being like revitalized, there's another Predator movie being made yeah. by Shane Pee-wee Black, Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee, come I mean, on, come on. So you've gotten yeah. in on a bunch of them already, but yes. like, do you seek them out? Do you when if there's like a, a Predator, or a Star Wars movie every year? Do you say Team Man- Manganello, go after it? Tell them I'm available.
3: Somewhat, yeah. Um, I mean, the big one that I want to make is Dungeons and Dragons. I heard this. You're
2: you're you're a big D and D guy. Big, still am. And they've never cracked it. They have never. They've never been able
3: to figure it out. And last year, uh, with a playwright that I went to Carnegie Mellon with, we actually made a draft of a film. And now we're you know talking to all the right parties. And actually, uh, I had a two day creative summit with the Wizards of the Coast, who actually. Are the creators? They're actually what TSR was. Gary Gygax, um, yeah, yeah, TSR, which created Dungeons and Dragons. They now run the show, and they've been the creative force behind it for she's since the eighties, eighties, twenty at least twenty five, you know, years. Got or so. it, yeah, yeah. And I uh, had a two day creative summit with them, tested out some of the new products, and we and we had a, like a two day summit about where the movie could go or. TV series, products, like, I mean, Synergy, like, the whole... It does feel like
2: this, like, in this, like, time of cinematic universes and and giant-scale worlds, like, this is an unexploited, in a good way, like, there's so much there.
3: (laughs) It's where there are... So, all the video games you play came out of D&D. And and most of the filmmakers now that are working there from our generation grew up playing it. That's how they started directing and producing. And, you know, my wife says, you know, what is it? You know, what is that? And, you know, what's what's this game? And I said, well, I said, you, you like Lord of the Rings, right? You've seen them. They're, they're amazing movies, right? She goes, yeah. I go, "Well, that's, that's Dungeons and Dragons. I go, that show we watch every Sunday that's like our favorite show in the world, Game right. of Thrones? It's Dungeons and Dragons. Totally. It would not exist without – Dungeons and Dragons wouldn't exist without The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But the films, the culture, yeah. the video games, it's all – because of this.
2: So what's the key, you think, you know, without revealing the enti- your entire plan or, or, right. or, or, or whatever idea for this, but what is the key to getting this right? I mean, Warcraft kind of tried this kind of same kind of thing. And it didn't quite work for whatever reason. They had a great filmmaker behind mm-hmm. it, and it's tough. So what do you, what's your recommendation? What's your goal for a DD and d universe film TV series? Well,
3: I mean, obviously there's a spectacle. There's dragons breathing fire and lightning and flying. I mean, that's, that's the biggest draw in Game of Thrones. Sure. Other than, I mean, I'm sure there's probably people that would argue that Khaleesi Naked is probably their big draw. But other than <laughs> something that, for everybody. dragons, you know, and and, um, and seeing these creatures. But but I think, like we were talking about before, what makes a great fantasy or superhero movie is the human aspect. It's got to be about something. And I think that's really what we root for those characters in Game of Thrones. And, um, you know, Fellowship of the Ring was about friendship. And um, this undying love for your friends and doing anything for your friends. And I think that's something that people can identify with. You know, the Aragorn love story. It's something that people can identify with. Um, This forbidden love and being separated from each other. And so I think when a movie is about something human.
2: (laughs) Sounds so simple, but people are not. Sometimes people skip over that.
3: It's tough. Yeah. Um, So when it's about something human and, and real emotionally, uh, people are going to want to go see it. Yeah, and then if you get some dragons breathing fire and all the better. I mean, hey, <laughs> I'm in. Win for Yeah. So, would
2: you want to play a part in this? Yeah,
3: definitely. Um, yeah, I'd want to play a part in it, and I also just um, I, I, you know, I I, I want to work behind the scenes on it as well.
2: Yeah cast yourself. What are you? Are you a mage level seven? What, are you, what, what am I
3: dealing with You Sitting in front Have of you ever, Did you ever play?
2: A little bit. I'm not, I can't okay. pretend to be an expert. I'm no Vin yeah. Diesel sitting in front of you. You know he's like, he's legit. <laughs> yeah,
3: sure. Uh, the Nerdist did a uh, yeah. special called Dean Diesel. <laughs> yeah,
2: totally, I saw that, yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: with, with the, like, world-renowned, like, the Phil Jackson of uh, <laughs> Dungeon Masters, this guy named Matthew Mercer. Uh, I actually just filmed uh, a similar, like, like, oh, nice. Like in that series they just filmed one with me that's actually going to drop on the next day or two. Oh, cool. I'll check nervous. it out. So, you have to check <laughs> it out. Yeah.
2: Um, so anything you can hint about what kind of role you'd want to play?
3: Not not right now cuz we're still, you know, we're, we're developing yeah. and and I'm still, you know, talking to all the the involved parties about what can happen, where it can go. I have very, you know, strong ideas that um that are backed up by the Wizards of the Coast. They they agree. We are, we are all in agreement as to where this thing needs to go and nice. what it should look like and what it should be. So it's just a matter of of um, someone exacting. I think that that plan, the plan that that they really they really want to go with. And so is
2: Rampage up next? Are you shooting that next?
3: Rampage is up next. Yeah, that'll be uh, in a few weeks. I'll start. I'll nice. fly out and start.
2: Have you spent much time with a. Uh with DJ yet?
3: I've never met him. What? But we are, That's we run in the same circles. Yeah. Like, you know, we've both done a lot of, you know, muscle fitness covers sure. and we're in the bodybuilding community and uh, everybody kind of knows each other in that community but we've, we've never met. And I also like, I love wrestling and I've hosted wrestling yeah. and, y- y- you know, and I've, I've never, uh, we've never crossed paths. So. so
2: do you go to his Iron Paradise? Does he visit yours? What happens? Is there, Shh. you meet in the middle? We're going to find
3: out. We're <laughs> about to find out. Let me, <laughs> (laughs) I'll tell you something, brother. (laughs) It's about to go down. (laughs) The mega powers explode.
2: I always loved your. I don't know. I'm I'm testing whether to ask you to tell it again, but coming full circle in the pronunciation of your name, the story told of Hulk Hogan introducing you. Yeah,
3: Yeah, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, I hosted Monday Night Raw with Arnold. And, you know, we were going over our kind of our our sketch backstage, and and Hulk Hogan just could not get my name right. (laughs) One more time, brother. Tell me. Manganello, Manginello, got it. No, dude, <laughs> wait. And this went on and on and on. And uh, finally we were backstage getting ready to go out. And he's got the boa and the glasses and the do-rag on. And he's like, all right, brother, one more time, give it to me. And I'm like, we're about to walk out there. I'm like, Manganello. He's like, manganello, got it. And they blow the the, the <laughs> smoke and the Hogan music comes on. I am a real American. <laughs> he comes down, high five, and everybody goes into the ring. And he's like, he's like, I want to bring out two of my good friends here to promote their new movie, Sabotage. My good friend Arnold Schwarzenegger and my buddy Joe Mangelio. <laughs> Come on, man. So we went through the whole our whole oh. bit, and I was like fuming and like, ah, it wasn't even close, you oh. know. And then we get backstage, and I was like. Uh, I was still like just staring at my shoes like come on now my big moment I've I've been made of my whole life to host wrestling and (laughs) this is what happens and so we're doing this post you know post fight uh, interview and Hogan grabs the microphone. He goes, let me tell you something. i got to clear something up, brother. It doesn't matter what I call him from now on. Because from now on, brother, he's known as Joe Mania. And what are you going to do when the Terminator and Joe Mania climb on the Hulkster's back, brother? I was like, okay, you know what? You're forgiven. Because now, whenever I'm around wrestlers, they're like, what's up, Joe Mania? There you go. Yeah, so I've got my wrestling name.
2: Okay, for what it's worth... (laughs) <laughs> Manganello. It's not that hard, people.
3: Yeah, man. And I'm going to put that, we're going to put that video out again.
2: One more time for posterity. Yeah. Or Joe Mania. Just don't butcher. Show the man some goddamn respect. Goddamn he, it. He's done so much for yeah, us. Let
3: do you something, yeah,
2: respect. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Show the
2: man some respect. <laughs> Um, it's been wonderful to finally invite my muse, my friend, Mr. Joe Manganello here. <laughs> I uh, wear many hats. You do. Um, I will always, uh, come up with silly ideas for you because I think you're so talented at, at so many, uh, literally you can do anything. So I, I, Thanks, I, I will always exploit that. The one for... we never
3: got to do is the dick sketch. That's right.
2: Which was f- hilarious. The script is still on my computer. Maybe I'll uh, we'll put that out too. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. I'll come up, up with something else that will ruin your career. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been able to ruin
3: it yet, no. Josh.
2: Damn it, you're too strong for me. Uh, Smurfs, The Lost Village. For a lighter side of Joe, take the family, take the kids. It's uh, it's super sweet and it honors, you know, a show we all grew up with. It's great.
3: Yeah, it's great. Does a great job of doing that. Uh, good to see you, man. Thanks, man. Great sounds- seeing you.
1: And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe
2: to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured
0: to do this by Josh.
3: (laughs) This episode of Happy, Sad, Confused was produced by Michael Catano, James T. Green, Mukta Mohan,
1: and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network, with additional engineering by Little Everywhere. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play,
2: Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts.